Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. I am your host Chris Buick and this week in honour of the release of the Sparks Brothers documentary we're here to talk about that film's director and in my opinion one of the best British if not anywhere filmmakers going Mr Edgar Wright uh, and here with me to the better end or the lagger end which is a world's end <laughs> quote that Ian won't get um, oh, uh, is Ian Lenny, how are you Ian? I'm very well, thank you. Doing well, surviving, hanging in, doing good. <laughs> Have you been enjoying our lovely weather? Us? Uh, well, I cycle everywhere, so I'm like roasting all the time. Oof. And Honestly, I cycle everywhere. I cycle to, to work, I cycle to my jiu-jitsu classes, I cycle home. And all, a round trip of doing that through London in this heat as well it's just been nuts <laughs> to be honest with you um well, well i had the last week off and i've just basically spent it sat in my garden doing nothing so you yeah, at least you're doing some exercise very jealous. yeah true i mean we have got aircon at work so it's oh that's that's always a win that's a win <laughs> but, um it's just the two of us this week so like yeah, two, I bet, actually, I better not sing that. We might get copyright. I don't, I was say, I don't know what the legal situation is on those kind of things. So <laughs> let's just. Yeah, but um, we are, you know, yeah, just two of us, like 
Peg and Frost, um, whichever, <laughs> whichever one you want to be, I'm happy with either, to be honest. Um, Me too, I'm completely yeah. fine with that. Um, but we are here to talk about Edgar Wright, and just to start things off and set the tone for the next hour or so, we, we're both big fans, right? Yeah, massive fans. I've been yeah. very privileged enough to actually be in the same room as Edgar Wright. I was at a special talk on Halloween for Shaun of the Dead at the BFI, and oh, wow. uh, he was dressed as Sweeney Todd. And his his like interviewer was um, David Williams, dressed as Ming the Merciless. <laughs> <laughs> of, co- of course, well, of course. I also David Williams dressed as. Um, I think Edgar's got kind of got the hair for Sweeney Todd a little bit. He can just. Yeah, I don't you think know. it was a wig. I think it was. Just yeah, it must have definitely just his hair. <laughs> it was honestly great. Really, really, really good. And um, honestly, he just comes across as a lovely guy. Like, mm. not only is he an amazing film director, has great music taste because follow some of his sound, oh, like his playlists on Spotify. Yeah. We'll, his we'll Spotify get... playlists are amazing. Oh, yeah. I subscribe every year. Just, just it's not so even a question. We'll, get into, we'll definitely get into his soundtracks yeah. at some I point. I want to be but... his friend at some point. Like, oh, that's... my God, Jerry. Yeah. You, you just love to talk to him about films for hours. Um, oh, I, so much. My only claim to fame, I guess, and which pales in comparison to yours in relation to Edgar Wright, <laughs> is did you ever do the Brandon Generator thing that came out in 2012? No, what's that? So Brandon Generator was basically, it was a, it's a kind, of, kind of a web series that he did, mm. and it was like an interactive thing, and he would release episodes, I think it was every week or every other week, but basically he would ask people to contribute to the story and mm. do artwork and suggestions for the story and all that stuff, and I submitted a few bits, and I'm actually in the credits for Brandon Generator. Earth, oh, that's awesome. so, um, but like I say, it completely tells in comparison to being in the same room. That's not even my biggest claim to fame. I'm not going to lie. Like my the biggest claim of fame, not with Edgar Wright. This is completely Edgar Wright unrelated. So my apologies, <laughs> listeners. But I actually met Brian Blessed, which was one of the best moments. Oh of my wow! Life. Yeah, that was one of the and, best. And you still have your hearing, yes? <laughs> oh, people say me and him might be loosely related by the way I bellow at people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to control it for this podcast because I can see my sound bars. This is behind the door, everyone. You're seeing the production side. You can see the sound bars on the screen. And yeah. I'm like, oh, if I go too loud. Yeah, I think that might be that. I think there'll be people turning down their volumes lately between the, well, that's the thing. So. I don't think you're too quiet when Chris was like, our producer Chris, uh, was like, oh, it's too loud. I think I'm just too loud. I think that's... <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't Chris that said it. It was a friend of mine at work who actually has an opinion oh, okay. on some medical rights, which I'll get to. But she, um, the, uh, Sorry, not that friend, a different friend. But um, I have more than one friend. Look at me showing off. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, Edgar Wright. General thoughts on Edgar Wright before we jump into the films. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. we're fans, and we've been really excited about this podcast. I think we st- I think we first mentioned this podcast in the first after the first episode we recorded, yeah. and we said yeah. we have to do an Edgar Wright podcast, yeah. and here we are. So, yeah, yeah. what we've been hanging in there for a long time. I know we finally got there. So, what do you? So, general thoughts. Yeah, I think he's one of the like best directors around at the moment in my opinion i don't think just like i think that terminology of best british director sometimes is i don't mean it in a derogatory way because obviously like british directors is a big deal we've had some amazing british directors through film history but like i think sometimes it's like oh he's you know one of the best british directors it's just like he's just one of the best directors yeah yeah. it doesn't need that caveat to it i think he's just one of the best directors around he's probably in my top five to maybe even my top two or three directors who i really love yeah for um, sure for sure yeah. so i i love him i don't think there's a film that i've seen of his that i'm like 
you know, I can get rid of that. I don't want to see it, you know, and or if there's no merit to, you know, and, and the ones that he's been involved with, either largely or loosely, I, I, I love too, you know, I, I would say I'm a big fan of his. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a podcast where we're just talking about how much we love the guy. Brimming with positivity. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, he's one of those filmmakers. He's just, he's, he just seems to have it all mapped out in his head from the get go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shot, every shot, every detail, every little nuance in his film mm-hmm. is not but nothing's by accident. Everything mm-hmm. is, I mean, if you've ever watched the, I don't know if you've watched the DVD extras for hot fives, for example, where, mm-hmm. Him and Simon Pegg go through a flip chart when they were fi- when they're writing that film. They go through all the stuff they wrote down and b- practically all the little details that you notice in those films and that films are. He's written them all down. He knows exactly mm. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him say in interviews and commentaries that people have said to him, "Look, I don't know if we can shoot this this way or we can do this this way." He goes, "Well, no, we need to do this way because this is the way it's in my head." And mm. you know, filmmaking's like. You can just tell filmmaking's in his blood. The, the the things he knows about movies, I think the only person who could potentially rival him in terms of that is like Tarantino, who's obviously a massive film nerd as well. But Yeah, definitely. It's I interesting think, you bring him up. I think they have a not similar style because I don't think they no. are the same. But it's interesting. There are some things that I go, they are distantly related perhaps in filmography. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I would I would say as much as not to get too much into Quentin. Quentin has a style, and you know it's a. You can see a Quentin film when you watch it. You know it's his film. Edgar is exactly the same. You yeah. watch an Edgar Wright film. We spoke about this briefly on the Marvel when we were talking about Ant Man, and obviously uh, that didn't end up being Edgar's film. But you can mm-hmm. see the parts of Ant Man that are very much Edgar. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's what I mean with like. Especially, I mean, we'll get into this more, but like Baby Driver, for example, I think is maybe the closest one that's maybe influenced by Tarantino just for the subject matter, Mm. the style of it. Um, There's really the way in which some of the shots are, I think, are similar to the way Tarantino does stuff. Um, But I love that of him. This is going to be very controversial. And if listeners are like, how dare you? But I I prefer Edgar Wright to Quentin Tarantino. I know Tarantino is a bigger catalogue, but... And he is great. I'm not going he's like terrible or anything. But like when we get into it more, I prefer some of the films in Edgar Wright's catalogue. Yeah, I you know I, I I think as much and again, I am a massive fan of Tarantino and love yeah, all his films, yeah. but it, there's just some of the Edgar's films that feel, you know, unique. You never really and I'm not saying Tarantino's films are, you know, there's other people like Tarantino because I don't think there are, but no. there's something about Edgar's films that you watch them, you just transport you to somewhere that sounds like really cheesy to say, but you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. It does. I what you mean. And, um, yeah, I, like, and I, something I was going to ask, and I wasn't sure if I was going to, but seeing as we're speaking about Tarantino and those like, so like, mm. if you, when a Tarantino film is coming out and you see the trailer and it says, a film by Quentin Tarantino, that's enough to sell a film right yeah. you know yeah. whether it's about it, if it says tarantino's name on it you're going to go see it most people will go see it mm-hmm. is it would we put edgar in that same category if you saw i mean obviously for us we would see if it says yeah, that's, 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 edgar right. say that's interesting mm, i think for us yeah obviously like i think for us we would be there in a minute but i think he's not quite hit that fame yet no. i think I think he will because we can talk about his upcoming projects, right? And I think like there's a lot of people I know in my life who are big film fans mm. who are 100% like keen on seeing if it's an Edgar Wright film, they're there. So like his new film coming out, you know, last night in Soho that's coming out. It's coming out later this year, isn't it? Yes. Um, 
like, uh, October, I think, for Halloween. I'm oh, perfect. Sure. There you go. The second yeah. we heard that was coming out, like everybody I know was like, oh, that's great. But I think you know the the general populace when they see it's a, a twenty uh, yeah when they hear it's a Tarantino film they are there for it. I don't think he's hit that acclaim yet, but I feel like perhaps he's on the same trajectory because I think the the point that did push him into that or getting close to that is Baby Driver, which we can obviously get into. But that was like mm-hmm. that sort of film that I think pushed it to that sort of more widespread fame. Yeah, I agree. I think he over the years he's gradually, gradually getting to that point where his name on a billboard is enough to say, mm. "Well, I'm, well, I'm going to see. It. I don't know what's about. I don't know who's in it. I don't know what it is, but he's in it." It's like you know, like a Spielberg or a Tarantino or a Scorsese mm. or something like that. Um, key example, for example, my wife, who um, she wouldn't mind me saying, before we met, wasn't really until that old films um, until mm-hmm. basically I, I dragged her kicking and screaming through films for years and years and years now. And then she was saying to someone the other day, oh, Chris is doing a podcast on Edgar Wright. And they said, oh, who's that? Who's that? And I, uh, when, you know, when they go, yeah. <laughs> and, and, they, and she goes, you know, they do like, uh, when you say like, is he dead? Hot fuzz? Like, oh, okay, right. Okay. I know those films, yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, it was just an interesting contrast. Like obviously my wife knows cause she's now into all the film stuff. Like I am um, probably not as much, um, but she tries uh, to mm-hmm. humor me as much as she can. <laughs> Bless her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I think he will get there. And it's, 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 I don't want it to sound in like a patronizing condescending way mm. i just i just feel like um uh it's, it's a it's an inevitability that i think will be at a point I where agree. It's, I agree. this is edgar right and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um but we are going to start looking at his films one by one yeah. um and while we are a film podcast controversially i hope we're going to start with a tv show um <laughs> which is uh and i feel it's important to talk about it um because Arguably, it's a very, it was a very important launching point for not just Edgar Wright, but the people, mm-hmm. the other people involved. So Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Jessica Stevenson, mm-hmm. or Jessica Hines, as you know. So we're going to talk about Spaced, mm-hmm. the Channel 4 show, which came out in 1998, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you watch Spaced at the time? I can imagine you were uh, a bit young for Spaced. I was four, so probably not. Four. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I've um, watched it since. I have watched Spaced since because I am a big, like, I love watching TV shows and, and, and old ones in particular. And Edgar Wright is somebody who, obviously, I wanted to go back and uh, watch. Uh, so, yeah, no, I really like Space. And I think what I like about Space is that it kind of does stuff before I know other stuff that did do it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you know, the paintball episode in yeah. space, that's like, everybody knows community for that. Yeah, which I yeah. love community. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And I watched that like before spaced. And then when I watched spaced, I was like, oh damn, this did this like ages ago. And it's a really great episode. I love that. It's like a war film that they're stuck in the bunker and you know, they're coming out of the bunker. It like, again, it shows his like, it really shows his like love of cinema and the way he makes things. And I think it, it, even in the small scape that space has, or scope, sorry, scape, what am I talking about? The small scope that space has, like in terms of budget and monetary things, he achieves a lot with that show, like a lot. And that's a theme I think he does in most, and especially I think the, maybe the first two Cornetto films. Sean, for sure, he manages to achieve scale in such a small um i guess 
smallish budget, um, but he manages to achieve something so great. And he did that with Spaced. I think every every episode of Spaced is, uh, to quote the phrase, fly gold um, for oh, me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and I, yeah, I remember. I remember watch. I was. I think. I, I think of it. I must have been about eleven at the time. Space came out, and I, mm. I remember I had a, a TV in my room with uh, five channels on because that's all we had then. Kids, there was no sky. <laughs> well, I, do, I do. I do remember that. I do yeah. vaguely remember five yeah. channels. But I remember it was about the time when Channel Four was putting all these good shows on TV. So you had mm. like you know, your Father Ted had just kind of finished, but then you had Black Books and you had Space, and yeah. Space was just something I remember watching and going. Wow, this is completely different to anything I've ever seen before, and mm. I just remember liking it like a yeah. whole lot. But yeah, the reason I want to bring it up is mainly the episode, the art episode where um, <laughs> um, Tim is playing Resident Evil after staying yeah. up all night, yes, uh, yeah, that's which, which is it's such a great episode. It's on, it's but but also is the is the sort of Birthing point, if you will, of yeah, 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 John, good transition. John. That's a great yeah. transition. That was slick. <laughs> you should do this more, man. That was so <laughs> slick. Told you, man, made you proud. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you know, it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's. You know, it's definitely. Yeah, Even definitely. I know they've said it, and you know, said it as much. So it's not exactly you know me pulling that out of the air um mm-hmm. but but you can see where the idea obviously came from yeah and, I, and obviously let's let's start talking about sean because i don't want to mm. dwell on space too much being we're here yeah, to talk we're about a film, films. Film we're a film podcast yeah <laughs> so um uh so sean came out in 2004 uh yeah. and so what were your first memories of sean well, interesting. That's such an interesting way you said that because I was about to say my earliest memory of Shaun of the Dead was actually I I've seen it subsequently, obviously, but my earliest memory of it was in my house when I was a kid. So in two thousand and four, how old was I in two thousand and four? Uh, I would have been eight, I think. Yeah, I think maybe maybe eight or nine possibly uh, ten around the, the, ma- the maths adds up so yeah. yeah 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 so whoever's listening to it figure it out i was four when space came out so mm. <laughs> um so yeah i was in like we had a little den room right in our house and i that had like a glass door a paneled door into the lounge and my like family who were way older were watching shauna dead and i was sat playing like maybe you know the amazing spider-man ps2 game which like ps1 game sorry which was amazing that was uh, an amazing game. it's such a good game right like, <laughs> yeah so i mean we could get into a podcast in that intro but... electro as well oh sequel. yeah oh, so God. good yeah but the, did, you ever, um, did you ever play the ones on playstation 2 as well yes yeah, Spider-Man oh, 2, one of the best games ever um so i was playing that and i looked to my right and the TV was just in one of the panels, and it was the bit where the guy's getting ripped apart at the pub. Oh and, God, yeah, yeah, and that scarred <laughs> me for life. That's quite an image. <laughs> yeah, I, that poor little Ian was scarred, mate. Like genuinely terrified. <laughs> it did damage to me, man, because I, like, I'm not even joking. I was like genuinely scarred by it. It caused me to have nightmares a bit, and it ever since. Like, well, not so much now, like I've grown out of that, but for a long time, 
zombie those things, films. Those things will stay with you, man. Those images. Yeah, zombie films really like. Even now, I, I don't. I'm not the biggest fan. I love horror films, but zombie films still are a little like, ooh, I don't really like that genre as much. Even though there's some amazing films in that genre, you know, the uh, Dawn of the Dead, you know, series yeah, yeah. of films are fantastic. Um, but for some reason, just zombie films because of that early memory, just I, I've they've always had a bit of a oh god because that is genuinely even watching it now at the BFI, I had to like jump out for a second because I I start it started happening and I was like oh no oh no it's too much it's too much it's real bad it's real bad like it, I think you know that's my <laughs> earliest memory of to answer your question <laughs> wow yeah I mean no like I say those things stick with you I remember um watching the first scream when I was really young um because I was at a friend's house and it was one of those friends you know their parents like them do whatever they want yeah and yeah, so yeah. he's like he's like do you want to scream and I was like yeah I want to watch scream and it terrified me because yeah. that mask is terrifying and yeah. and I'm not and I'm, I'm gonna just tell you the story because my mom is probably listening and I will tell her anyway so when so my mom one time um I was in my room I hear her knocking my door. She opens, I open the door, and she's standing there with the scream mask on, and I freak out. And, oh, no. and to this day, it still terrifies me. That mask. I'll still watch them, but that's that's probably the most terrifying thing I can think of. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So no, those things stick with you. I totally, I totally appreciate that. Um, I remember watching Sean at friends house. So I was. I remember 2004, I mean, 15, mm. I think, 15, 16 at that time. And mm-hmm. friends, we all had it on DVD, and we all went round, and I just thought. And I've always loved zombie films, love zombie movies, like all the George Romero films, all those kind of things, you know. And I just thought this is uh, a film that's not just funny, but it does the horror element well. And it also does the action well. And it also has all these really sweet moments, you know, not just the moments between um, Sean and Liz, but also um, Ed as well. And I just thought it was, I just thought it was um, amazing to get, and, uh, yeah, I just I really, I really like it. Do you, um, you so you say you're not, you're not, do you say you're not a fan of zombie films? I, yeah, like I, I've grown out of that now. Um, I wouldn't say if you went to me, oh, you know, what's your favorite sort of horror genre? I would not say zombie films, mm-hmm. but Shaun of the Dead, I really, really love that film. I think it's got great, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it just it, it really showcases why he's so amazing at like genre, like understanding genre, and obviously it is really funny. Like it's a great comedy as well, which he obviously takes from Spaced. But like yeah. it's not just a zombie film. Like that's what makes it so good. It's not just a zombie film. I think he described it once as like a rom com. Like he he saw it as a romantic yeah, comedy, yeah, yeah. which just so happens to have zombies in it. And I I thought that was hilarious and. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's just... I asked my friend this, and he thinks it's maybe his best film, which is fair enough, because mm. it is a really strong film. It is good film. It is really good, and it, it pays homage to, like, or homage to many of, like, the zombie films that came yeah, before yeah. it. But, yeah. but it also is, like, so its own thing as well. It's not trying to be those zombie films. Yeah. It's its own thing. Well, I was going to say, um, in terms of where it stands and compared to other zombie films, I think it, you're right. It rides that really nice line of homaging or homaging um, to <laughs> uh, to all the films that came before it and all the influences that are clearly there. Mm-hmm. George Romero being obviously the main one, but it is definitely uh, a. I think stood the test of time. There may be a couple yeah, of jokes that are a bit, you know, 
Edgar Wright probably wouldn't do now. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it still definitely holds out. It's still funny. It's still a great film to watch. And um, I don't want to say it's become a cult classic because that makes it seem like it's only for a niche um, yeah, I know. Right, but I think it's, it's definitely a classic of British cinema, especially yeah, in the definitely. last in this century, at least. Seeing um, him um, talk about it, I think, has made me like. I think that's where he did say it was a rom com. Uh, yeah. That talk. That, that talk, because he mainly did talk about Shaun of the Dead, because that's what we were there to see on Halloween, and he was talking about like the production of it and the way he built it. You, from that talk, you understand how detailed and meticulous he is to his films. Yeah, oh god, yeah, and. I think also, as you say, you don't want to call it a cult classic because you do limit it to like saying it's only for a certain group of people. But, you know, the way I think he approached it from the listening to him talk about it was that, you know, he was making it almost not for himself, but this was a film that he had like written and come up with this idea for. And he really wanted to like achieve what he had in his head. Mm. And as you said earlier, I think that's kind of transitioned throughout all of his films now. Yeah, yeah. I think he really did that with Shaun of the Dead, and it worked so well that it's transitioned throughout all of his filmography, which is great. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely, it's definitely manages to keep his stamp and his style and his meticulousness on in in every film he's made since, mm-hmm. and it's kind of and obviously it was in the TV shows, but Sean was definitely the one that was. You know, really put, started to put uh, him and Simon Pegg on the map. Um, yeah, yeah, Nick Frost yeah. as well. Like the the three of them. What I really love about that is that again, you know, we have them in spaced and and they're great in that. And he brings them with him to keep that same sort of like style. And it, it it's so well put together. And I really love that they go on to do the rest of the Cornetto trilogy for together as well. I think my favourite moment, looking back on it, though, like I, I w- I'm going to ask you what your favourite moment of Sean sure. is, um, which obviously my favourite is the guy getting ripped apart. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my favourite moments when they meet that other group. Oh, and, God. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. I, I love that bit so much that it's just like them. And I, yeah. I'm like, that is so good. I love that bit so much. And they're like, say hello to each other as they pass. Yeah, I love it. Their counterparts. And all that. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's, funny. It's one of those, they just, um, it's, and they're, it's, they're just like, every time you watch it, it doesn't lose its impact. You just see them. And you almost forget it's ha- it happens every time you watch it. Every time yeah. you go, you're like, oh, they just bump into them. Cause it's yeah, a, and it's great. And it's, yeah. and it's also quite famous people as well. So yeah, like, exactly. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, they're not, just, they're not just random people that look like our characters. Yeah. They're, just, they're, they're the cream of British talent. So good. You know? I, just, I you love know? that bit so um, I, I would yeah, say that, favorite... that's definitely up there. I would say it's a tie. I like the obviously the Queen "Don't Stop Me Now" moment in the pub, where yeah, like, it's brilliant. It's you know, because I mean, it's a great song, it's a great sequence, and it's just yeah. it's just so brilliantly done. Um, in turn, it's not it's not necessarily a funny one, or it does kind of have some comedic elements. Is obviously the walk to the shop that Sean does. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a really so the, good. The bit. first one, um, the day before, and then the first one the morning after it just you could because if you you could watch that sequence three or four times and always find something new and you can see mm-hmm. the little and this is again what we're saying about nothing is accidental in these films yes. everything in that is planned yeah and you can see all the little notes and like i say you go back and watch it time and time again you're going to see something different and i just think mm-hmm. that really highlights how good a filmmaker and director mm-hmm. edgar is yeah, um, but yeah i love that one so we'll move on to the second of the cornetto trilogy um 
Hot Fuzz. Um, what are your first memories of Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz, better memories. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, I think of the Cornetto trilogy, uh, I don't know, it's difficult. It's between Hot Fuzz and um, uh, Shaun of Dead for me because obviously I haven't seen World's End, so I can't judge that, okay. uh, which I know I know people will be screaming now, being like, you Philistine, which fair enough, you know. But I, I tell you why I hadn't seen at World's End, which is kind of skipping ahead, but we'll pull back to Hot Fuzz because I know people who've seen it and they actually really were like, oh, you don't need to. It's not that good. And I was actually like, I should see this. I keep meaning to see this because I really like Edgar Wright and I've seen every other one of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just something that I loved so much about Hot Fuzz that I kind of was like, if I see this, is it going to make me disappointed by like his him? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really want to see it because I love everything he's done. And I didn't mm. want to go. Oh, this is disappointing. You know what I mean? When you have that film in a in a in a director's catalog that you're like, oh, I don't I don't like that one. And you have to be like, oh, he's human. He makes bad films. <laughs> um, I, no, I understand that. You don't want to ruin uh, an image you have in your head. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure but, it's good, and I'm sure you'll tell me it's good. But, I'll, but, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple of reviews. I already mentioned my friend who commented on it earlier, and I'll give you my review, and we'll we'll talk about yeah, it uh, with, when we get to that one. Um, Buzz. I my dad's a police officer, you see. So like right. we uh, we he was well into watching that. Like he put that on. <laughs> I watched it. Uh, it was great. I I really 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 like that film a lot. And it might be because you know I watched it with my dad, but I just love everything about it that makes it like uniquely like him again he's gone mm. for a genre he's changed it i love the beginning bit where he's kicked out the metropolitan police because he's like this action police officer and like they're fed up of him which is great i love that it's the town that's response spoilers by the way if you're listening to this what's wrong with you but <laughs> was, um i love that it's the town that are like responsible i just love that it's like middle england sort of like um, yeah yeah like you know what i mean the people yeah it's, a, it's like a Big American action cop yeah, uh, movie in small town England, which is just a brilliant combination. It's so good. Yeah, you can imagine like the police just tearing off a town in Somerset yeah, in real life. Yeah. That, I mean, God, it'd be, it'd be chaos, but it'd be, you know, yeah. be all over the papers for sure. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that film. You yeah, I, I, I think, I, I don't know if you, you definitely said it, but I think you were on the verge of saying it. As, out of the three, and I I have seen World's End, and with, even with that in mind, Hot Fuzz, for me, is the best of the yeah, three. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I love Sean, and uh, I do like World's End. I'll get into my um, thoughts on that in a minute. But um, Hot Fuzz, for me, was just taking everything that was good about Sean, really cranking it up, and really going for it, and I think I think we've already talked about the premise. The premise works amazingly well. You've already you've got a god such a, an embarrassment of riches in terms of the cast. I mean, all the people in that film, there's not one bad person in it. Even people, I think, and they're obviously lining up to be in it um, because you've got some people in there, big names doing small yeah, part. Yeah. You know, Olivia Coleman, now Academy Award winning actress, I know, is, I know. has has like. All the lines are in your window, and she's in it for maybe two minutes total. But, but, but she's gold. Everyone in it is, and the, I don't think it puts a foot wrong from start to finish. I think I, I love the bit where they're like swan, and then the swan yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. so good. I love I, that bit. I, I must say, my favorite, one of my favorite moments, and I'll 
maybe get into some others in a minute, is the very first bit where he's talking to Martin Freeman, then Steve Coogan, then Bill Nye, and they just keep coming in and, and yes. just, it just keeps... I love that it, bit too. It's like, oh, you've got Martin Freeman, that's pretty impressive. Oh, wait, you've got Steve Coogan. Oh, wait, you've yeah. got Bill Nye. I mean, who else yeah, are you going to yeah. get? Then you go, oh, we've got Timothy Dalton, and we've got uh, yeah. uh, we've got Jim Broadbent, and it's like, oh, my God. It's just it's like... It's so good. It's when you've so got, good. When you've got a story that good and a cast that good, uh, I, I mean... It's hard to go wrong anyway, but yeah. I just think it is one of the best buddy cop films ever, regardless yeah, I of agree. I agree. anything. Um, uh, I want to get rivals up there. I know people again. People be like, "What?" But I think it's better than Bad Boys, which is always one. Oh, absolutely! I think it's better. It's Bad, so good. Bad Boys is. Don't be wrong. I love Bad Boys, and to anyone listening, I love Bad Boys. Um, especially the new one. The new one was surprisingly good. Um, move on from that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but no, Hot Fuzz for me just delivers in ways that, you know, similar, like all those um, other buddy cop films you see that are on the, the lower ends of streaming platforms mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, uh, I want to give a shout out to, again, to our editor Chris, who recently tweeted about uh, this film. Be- because uh, I know who loves it, and he meant said as such, partly because he used to work in Summerfield, which features in this uh, <laughs> yeah. this one. So shout out to Chris. I think we both worked in a supermarket as well at some point. Yeah, I, I love think, yeah. I love that Summerfield is in it as well. Yeah. It's just such uh, a British thing that people yeah. mention it being like what? It just, it just really adds to it, and it goes, "Don't worry, it's just bolognese." Ah, <laughs> it's, like, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Oh no, oh. sorry. Best moment of, in fact, the best moment of any uh, Edgar Wright film is the yeah. moment where Paddy Considine walks off screen, comes back, and then walks off screen again. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just and I don't it's know. Perfect I, comic timing. It's perfect comic timing. Oh, yeah. I love that film. Right, so we are going to then move on to Los End. So. Um, Obviously, I want to ask you. Thought it was great. No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to obviously ask you your first memories. Um, But what I would say is, I watched World's End probably for the first time, uh, maybe only about four or five years ago. So it'd been out, it'd been out for a few years, uh, and I was like, yeah, I thought, oh, I haven't seen this one. I should have seen it. I've seen all the other ones. Um, And I'll be honest, first time round, I wasn't sold. I wasn't because I think I don't. I think it. what it does is it does a lot of things differently to how Sean and uh, Hot Fuzz do things. So Sean and Hot Fuzz are obviously very much a two-hander between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wells End tends to turn on its head and make it a five-piece. So you've obviously got those two, and you've got Paddy Considine, yes. uh, Eddie Marson, and Martin Freeman in the mix as well. So if you're going in thinking, oh, I'm going to get another funny, great action comedy starring Simon Pig Nick Frost, and then suddenly there's three other people showing about, and then Rosamund Pike comes in for a while, and she's in it for a lot of it. Um, you kind of get thrown a bit, I feel, and I feel like people maybe are expecting one film and getting another. Um, having said that, I rewatched it last week, for which would have been the second time I rewatched it, because I thought I, th- I think I was... So, like I say, I, I watched the I watched the world then maybe four or five years ago, and then I revisited revisited it last week um, just to kind of because I didn't I didn't enjoy it the first time round. Mm. Um, I, like I say, I wasn't I don't know if I was just expecting a different film or whatever, but I just it, it didn't hit me right. Um, I, I must say, the second time round, I I can I got it and it really worked okay. for me. Um, also, as a side note, uh, I love it's filmed in Warren Garden City, where I used to live. So I was literally just standing there going, "No, that pub, no, that is, no, that is, no, that is." Um, 
which I think was more distracting the first time round because I was like, I know that place now. I wasn't really getting into it, whereas I didn't have that second time round because I was uh, all right, fair. Um, uh, another shout out to my friend Nicola, who I was she I was telling her t- we were doing this podcast tonight uh, today, and she said, uh, "What are you doing?" And I said, oh, "We're doing a night of writing without missing a beat." She went, "World's End, worst film. I think it's terrible. Can't say a good word about it." Really? I was like. I was like and that's harsh, but I yeah. do, I do kind of get the like I said, the first time around, I wasn't really getting into it, so I get mm. that maybe it's not a film that um, works for everyone, and mm. I don't think it hits the heights of Sean or Hot Fuzz, mm. um, just mm. to be. Honest. But I would say uh, to yourself, as a Edgar Wright fan, it's definitely mm. worth a watch. Um, it definitely has some great moments. Mm. Um, the, the obviously the premise of the film is. Um, Five back in 1992, um, Gary King, who is played in later years by Simon Pegg and his friends, decide to go on what they call the Golden Mile, which is to drink a pint in 12 pubs, um, ending at the World's End pub, named named after the one in Camden. Um, But um, basically, don't make it when they're young. So years later, Gary rounds them all up. He hasn't aged, basically he's aged, but mentally he hasn't aged a day since 1992 when he was a teenager. And he tries to round them all up to go on this massive um, pub crawl. Uh, uh, to, and the, all the all the other guys, she's Nick Frost, you've Paddy Constantine, they've all got jobs, they're all married, they're all real estate and mm. agents and lawyers. And basically they, they're trying to get through all the pubs. Uh, and Gary, who is the absolute worst, you know, he's just one of those people that would get you in trouble and not take the blame or anything like that. But basically, mm. and then we end up, uh, uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, but basically um, they end up, uh, it's kind of an invasion of the body snatchers kind of situation, oh. you know, with these, it's got that same small town kind of aesthetic because obviously everyone knows everyone and that kind of thing, but basically everyone's kind of been, replaced by these weird things so um mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's definitely worth a watch it's definitely got some of that i've got a lot of the good hallmarks that you would associate with mm. a, a, a great film and i think it's definitely it's not it's not a bad film i don't think it's a bad film at all i think it's mm. just not it's just not up there with hot fires and Shaun of the dead in my opinion mm. but i definitely think do you think sorry yeah no i was gonna say i think it was something i've heard from someone um do you think the ensemble is a part of it Maybe um, you know you. Uh, it might be tied into what I said before. You're looking for um, it's a Peg and Frost two hander mm. normally, and then you've got these other three people who are basically they all have jokes and they have gags. But Peg, uh, uh, so Simon Peg's character Gary is very much the um, the full of the piece, and mm. Frost is a straight man, which mm. obviously hasn't been the case before. And there, a lot of it is they're um, they're uh, they're knocking heads. You know, they're mm. not they're not the friendly buddies that you know you expect you've seen in the other two films. Mm. And then you've got the other three who are also playing kind of like I said, we've got jokes, but they're more just straight men. So you've got basically four straight men and this absolute wild card Gary. And I don't think the balance is quite there. It does level out because, again, they get more and more progressively drunk as the mm. film goes on. And um, they all become a bit more looser and they'll become, mm. you know, but it takes a, a while to get there. So I feel like, yeah, maybe it is an issue. Um, like I say, but it, it, 
you got I applaud it for trying to do things a bit differently, you know, rather than just having oh, you know, it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost off in another, you know, mm-hmm. crazy wacky adventure. And I do think it's got some really good moments, and I think the the action is great in it, as as always has been. Um, but yeah, I think you would enjoy it to be honest so oh yeah i mean i i like as i say we'll move on to to his other films now but i i i i guess i'm saying that now i'm in charge now chris i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh, <laughs> there's been a key on the podcast <laughs> i've taken control no um but it is one that i kind of regret that i've not gone to but mm. it is because i have heard such mixed things about it that it's not been one that i've wanted to watch yeah. as much as say scott pilgrim or baby driver and also his other projects coming up mm-hmm. it's just one that i've been like oh yeah 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 it's kind of there you know what i mean and yeah. and it it's a shame because it's such a good trilogy. I love the Cornetto trilogy. I love the concept of it. I love that he kind of got the idea. Or I don't know if it's like a myth or if it's true, um, but like from the French Collar trilogy, which is an amazing trilogy of films. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that of the French flag. And he was like, we'll do it with the Cornetto colors with red, yeah. blue, and green, which I'm like, that's great. Like, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, 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 you know, I'm. I, you can shun me, and everybody listening can shun me for not seeing it to complete my Edgar Wright sort of like knowledge. No, I understand the trepidation, and I do. I do think that some of the criticism isn't completely unfounded. I would yeah. just. I think. Um, I think the key is to not go in expecting a Shaun of the Dead or a Hot Fuzz style film. You know, it has those. It has a lot of the elements, but it is trying to do something different. Which you know, they could have made the same three films twice and. Uh, same three films um, for the whole trilogy, but they've always tried to up themselves and do something different, True. which I think is True. good. So, and, and I love that trilogy. I mean, it's one of the trilogies that, even though I haven't seen World's End, and I should, but I love the concept of that trilogy. You know yeah. what I mean? I love yeah. that it's there. I love that it exists. And it will probably be when I watch World's End. But the problem is, <laughs> not to give too much into it, but like, Perhaps World's End also suffers being the third part of a trilogy. Yeah, there's that. It always happens, man. It always happens. There's only like 
one film trilogy that I can think of. Well, actually, I just said another one, Color Trilogy, which is amazing. Like, that's so good. Yeah. Um, but Lord of the Rings trilogy is another one where all three are amazing. Like, I all do... three of those films are amazing. Yeah, I do like the idea that the British equivalent of the French Color Trilogy is just Cornettos. Yeah, I love that. That's why it's so good. I <laughs> it's love, so British. I love like, what, I love what, do, what do we have? Cornetto. Oh, that yeah. Works. Yeah, that's, cool. work. that's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, so let's uh, let's move on to the films outside yeah, let's, of the trilogy. Let's do that, Chris. Um, <laughs> right, Scott Pilgrim. Have you seen that one? Ian? Of course, I've <laughs> seen. Okay. How dare you? <laughs> I, I, in fact, I'm looking up my bookshelf right now. I have all of the Scott Pilgrim books because well, I'm a massive comic book nerd as well. Yeah, so the Scott Pilgrim, based on the comic books of the same name by Brian Lee O'Malley, they are mm. amazing comic They're books. So good. They're so good. They were released digitally for free for a period of time years ago, and I managed to just I swooped in and got them immediately. I have a couple of the physical ones as well, but I need to get more. But um, thoughts on Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, I I really like Scott Pilgrim. I think controversially, I don't know, it's a weird one. I love the comic books. Like, I love the comic books, particularly the first four. I think the first four of the comic books are great. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I really love all the sort of like um, comic book references, video game references. Mm-hmm. Like, I really love that. I love, like, um, what's his face? The lead actor in Scott Pilgrim. What's his name? I Michael Sarah. Thank you. Michael Sarah is like perfect casting for Scott. Like this sort of like gormless faced guy who's just in awe of the world and like he thinks everybody loves him, sort of thing. It like totally works. It, yeah. It's great. The thing I actually am going to be controversial, and I think, like, I you're going to have to remind me, right? Because it's been a long time since I've seen the film Scott Pilgrim. Right. I I've read the comic books quite a lot, so I can remember their ending almost like exactly. So in the film, I think the stuff with like the last X makes more sense than the comic book stuff. Yeah, because the comic book right. stuff gets really weird, and there, I'm like, yeah. "What is going on?" Yeah. Um, so, so then, so the knives in the film. Well, so first, yeah. So firstly, the endings between the comic and the film are different because I think the last book was still in production when the yeah. film was wrapped. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there were so basically, there was um, Edgar made an ending um and again spoilers for people who haven't seen scott pilgrim where, yeah, yeah. Um, why are you listening to this stop where, listening like come on <laughs> scott, yeah exactly scott gets back together with knives yeah. um they tested that and audiences didn't like it because yeah. and i think um i can't remember who but someone on the team it might be a great or maybe michael Bacall, basically mm-hmm. thought it completely undermined the knives character. In fact, I think it was Brian Lee O'Malley who made the comics. Basically, mm. says it completely undermines the knives character, mm. and basically she goes through this. She because she goes through a kind of a development and a growth of mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. getting past Scott and all that stuff. And for her mm-hmm. to go back to Scott, kind of re- resets all that. Mm-hmm. So, and so in the end, he redid it, and um, where he ends up with uh, Ramona, yeah. uh, which I think is a better ending. Um, oh, yeah, that makes way more sense. Like, yeah, it does. Because why would he have fought all the X's to do this? Like, yeah. I don't, it doesn't make sense the other well, way. Well, I think the en- the alternate ending, the Knives ending, is on the DVD, so if, and probably, it'll probably be on YouTube. That's probably why stuff, it's so. in my head. I think yeah. that's why it's in my head, because yeah. I, 
I've seen that ending, and that ending because I disliked it so much kind of sits in my mind a lot. Yeah, it's 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 not the ending. It's not the ending. I think would have been right for the film, and it, no. it, it, I think Edgar said as much afterwards because it was not the right ending, and he prefers no. this one. Uh, yeah. Like I say, I think it would diminish everything that happens to knives in the film completely. It's yeah. such it, on a broader strokes then uh, with it because I just couldn't remember. I was like mm. that. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? But no, I won't, I'm not remembering it right. I'm remembering the, the the ending of the comic where they end up together is like what happens, which is right. Yeah. Um, it's a really good film. I think, again, it shows like how he goes from being, I guess, because this is actually in between some of the films in the Conato trilogy. But this film, for me, I think shows... Because I think this one is a bit more of a cult film, if I'm honest. But I think this one has more of what the elements of what he can become and what he yeah. does become in like mm-hmm. baby driver it has a lot more action-based ref- like it's sequences it's really like great done like the direction is amazing that's terrible english but it's greatly done and it i think he also deals with big ensemble star cast really well as well because there are some big names in this film there are some mm. huge yeah names. yeah god um, I also love the stuff they did with Chris um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, because that some of that stuff's not in the comic books, and I love all the extras. Like that oh, bit is yeah. brilliant. I'm like that is such a good addition to what's not in the comics, because in the comics they just skateboard and that's it. Whereas in in the film they have that whole bit, and I'm like that is really <laughs> smart. That's so good. But again, it's understanding cinema in the way that Edgar Wright does. And that's why I think the comic books and the film stand alone individually amazingly, because the comic yeah. books reference comics, this reference films. Yeah, and I, th- I think the film does really well at taking the spirit of the comics and putting them on screen, but also embellishing it and really yes. going. And I think you're right, this is kind of the film that I, th- I don't want to say let Edgar off the leash about, but he, he, he threw, you can tell he threw everything at this. He basically went, oh, this is the film I'm going to make, and if it doesn't work that doesn't work but this is the film i want to make and it, it is a it has everything you could possibly want like say you've got amazing cast so you've got anna kendrick you've got jason schwartzman aubrey Pilot, kieran culkin you know is it chris evans i mean future well, also Mer- has brie larson brie larson i mean yeah who, who, i mean you've got two you've got captain america and a captain marvel in there you yeah. know i mean and she, her songs are great in it as well oh uh, she's so good the because uh, they've recently re-released the soundtrack with her version of mm. metrics black sheep on it and it's so her, her performance in it. i would say as much as i love the chris evans x scene and a lot of the x scenes the uh the vegan fight scene between yeah uh, <laughs> i also um, love the vegan police They're the amazing. Vegan oh, thomas jane comes in and i love thomas jane yeah, i was yeah. like oh my god thomas jane's in it and, oh it's so good it's uh, so good you, you know they ingested chicken parmesan <laughs> <laughs> like i think and that's what i think it's just even small things like that because up until i think all of this and we're going to get to the one that i think really shows and we mentioned it earlier together with baby driver yeah all of them have been comedy and baby driver pushes away from that a bit more than the others do i know there's funny bits in baby driver but it's far more like an action film but like what i really love about this film is obviously it is comedy it's got comedy basis to it and it is really funny but i also really love that it catches like 
emotional elements to it really well. So we laugh at that vegan bit, but like his and and uh, Brie Larson's relationship breaking yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Really, like it's really like, oh man, this is cuts you deep, you know? It does, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, you're right. It's definitely got an emotion to it, which you know, when I watched it when I was younger, I don't think I grasped as much. We no. haven't, I haven't rewatched it so many times since. You just really like the knives character. Going back to knives, uh, yeah, you really right. feel for her. She's so because Scott's a bit of a. I can't swear, but he's like a piece of. Yeah. You know, he's not great. He's not a great person. And yeah, he's the quote unquote hero of the piece, but really he's not on so many mm. levels as well. And you realize that, um, and obviously he gets the, 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 the power of self belief at the end and really mm. he finally grows as a person. But for most of the film, he's not really that good a person. And I feel like when you, when you really examine like the knives character and all the people around him who he's kind of just using and Kim, for example, as well, yeah. who, he doesn't yeah. acknowledge her feelings until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, Big shout out to Sex Bobom. Love that. Yeah, yeah, so good. The so only, good. I love it. I love the main sequences in his films because I yes, think he's great. Yes. But the only sequence to Scott Pilgrim is honestly blows me away every time. Oh, I love um, what's it? It's something in the boys. Crash like, boys. Crash with the boys. <laughs> and when they play, everybody just knocks out. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's like so good. I also love. I think they don't do it in the film. Maybe they do, but I love his um, flatmate. Um, um, yeah, in the yes. comic book, he's like yeah. shouting abuse, at, yeah. like the the crash of the boys. And in the comics, it's so funny. He's just yeah. shouting at them, and it's but, so good. Yeah, there you go. This song's called "I Hate You, Please Die." Goes, I love this one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. I love that song. Yeah, uh, it's so good. I think the comic book. I think there's some jokes that I'm remembering in my head, which are from the comic books, like when he like meets Ramona for the first time, and then he goes, "Your shoes." Are, draw, are like um one of the mr men shoes yeah yeah and i was like that's so funny like yeah. it's so funny it just looks at him like he's a complete weirdo the, the, <laughs> like, the, yeah the way you can tell it's a really funny script and really well written script is did you watch the i think it was it must have been last year the table read they did for the anniversary no, it, was, I didn't, it, no. it was up to the they had a zoom one of those zoom reunions that everyone was doing last year but they basically did a read through of a short a shortened version of the script mm. and even without all the um the whip pans and all the mm-hmm. effects, it was still hilarious to listen yeah, to. Yeah. That just shows you how good it is. The bit, the bit when he's at the party and he goes, have you seen this girl? And he holds up a really badly drawn picture <laughs> yeah, of Ramona. It's, so it's got no face. It's just a hair. And he goes, oh, Ramona Flowers. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that they get it immediately as well. Yeah, oh, yeah Ramona Flowers. That's who it is. It's so film. good. And as I say, I think the ending of the film with um, what's his face? What's the villain's name? Uh, oh, well, the last X, like, uh, Gideon. Yeah, like in the comic, that stuff gets really weird. Like it yeah. gets really strange, and like she's like a power source or something. I can't remember. Whereas in the in the film, it makes so much more sense. Like yeah. in the film, I'm like that actually is a really good change, and that's genuinely a smart like script edit to just complete well obviously as you said it wasn't actually printed yet the book but i I feel like that just makes so much more sense yeah i agree and i think um but like i like i said before i think all the the spirit of the comics is definitely there it's just given its own edgar right spin all the video game references and i think it's i think i I think in terms of fateful 
comic book adaptations it's definitely one of the best i yeah, think i've seen so um 100 yeah, i i if you haven't seen scott pilgrim even with our spoilers that we've just given you like you should like it's so good particularly if you're like a marvel uh, mcu fan or something like that i feel like this film is something that people should go back to now because at the time it came out and i think it was just i hate to be like it was so ahead of its time but I don't. I think if you think of it like as a comic book film that comes out now, I think it would be like a big deal because yeah. it really gets references down to a T. Like it's so yeah. well done. I'm really glad it's found its audience now. It definitely deserves it, and it's definitely become something of another, probably more of a cult classic. I guess it's yes, probably not yeah. quite so mainstream, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of those films that. And I think you're right. I think it was ahead of its time and mm. now it's finally found its place which i'm really happy about um yeah, same. Same. There's, there's a weird um just before we move on there's a weird um connection here which i don't know if it's on purpose but i'm just going to mention it anyway so in the film juno which stars michael Sarah, obviously he's wearing a t-shirt that says plum tree now plum tree are a band that wrote the song scott pilgrim which is the inspiration oh. for the, which is the inspiration for the comic book Nice. Who, who Michael Sarah then plays in the film. So is that? I, but that may just be fates aligning, or it might be. I, I, like I think maybe not because, like the those Juno in particular. I don't know. I don't want to go too into Juno because that's a whole other conversation yeah. about that film. But yeah, I feel like the director would, or the writer at least, or somebody maybe in the costume department would know that. I yeah. feel like they would because the style of the film kind of would be like that. You know what I mean? Well, the reason I think it's more of a you know, a fateful thing is because Juno came out in 2007. Mm. So arguably, I don't really know the details of when production was on in Scott Pilgrim or what or what have you, but it seems to me that Juno would have been out a bit before Michael Cera was maybe considered to be Scott Pilgrim. So unless, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, find yeah. it's a weird connection that he's wearing the yeah. t-shirt off the bat. the song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I just think that's really interesting. But mm-hmm. we will... We move move on to the to the last film that has that we've seen yeah. um, from Edgar, and I think maybe my favorite. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's obvious, not obviously, but I think it's his best. Yeah, film. I think it is his best. Film. I feel, and he, from what I've, from what I've read and what I've heard him say, he's been he's been writing it since nineteen ninety the 1990s at least, mm-hmm. um, all stemming from that. And we'll talk about the opening sequence in a minute, but all stemming from that one song and that opening sequence. So rather than, ask, rather than asking you what you think of the film in general, which we'll get into first, what do you think? That opening sequence, when you first saw it, what did you think? I was like, I, I, I it blew me away because I think particularly in the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not film culture, but I guess the, the film catalogue that we were getting at that time of action films they were all quite stale look i know i know i was meant to be on the fast and furious uh franchise discussion but yeah. i opted out of that because i i have been in a podcast if if the listeners who continue to w- listen to us all the way through are passionate ones i have been on the wrong side of people disagreeing with me with a film franchise and I, or, or a film director, I should say, because, you know, I despise Christopher Nolan. No, I don't despise <laughs> um, But I was like, right, I don't think I should be in the Fast and Furious like discussion because I actually don't like those films. Yeah. So I'm going to take a step back and let somebody go in who does want to talk about it, keenly talking about it, which I would, would be less so. And 
I would use them as an example of like the almost stagnation of action that we were getting. And like, you know, we had these Transformers films where you couldn't really tell what the hell was going on on the screen. And I just, we had so many like action films that I thought was like action not done well. Now we did have some through the midst of that, which were good. Like we had some peeking through, but that opening sequence was just like a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Bam. And it was so good. And what I love about it and I love about this film and I uh, listened to another podcast who I've mentioned numerous times. They should definitely, they don't know who we are, but I love them so much. Uh, it's the, the Weekly Planet, Weekly which is Planet. an awesome, yeah, you knew I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love them so much. They are like, I listen to them every day, pretty much. They are so funny. But he was on that talking to them and he was talking, I'm sure he said it to other people, but I heard it from them that he came up with the soundtrack before he actually had the film. Yeah, like the scenes. So, yeah. He had everything. The songs. He was like, "I definitely want to use that song. I definitely want to use this song. I want to use that one." And that song in that opening sequence fits perfectly, like every other track. And I love it so much. Yeah, I so so for those who don't know, maybe haven't seen Baby Driver. Baby Driver is about a uh, uh, a getaway driver named Baby, hence the name, uh, who has uh, tinnitus. So he plays music while he's driving to drown out the sound and i won't give away what happens in the opening sequence because i feel like it's one of those things you just have to see and just experience fresh um but basically he's a getaway driver who listens to music while he's driving and the film a lot of the film and we we spoke a bit off before the recording about edgar's playlists and his music mm. that he creates and how he's as much a music nerd as he is a film nerd this is a perfect this film for me is a perfect marriage of music and film and the way he uses me you've seen we've seen music be used in films tons and tons and to great effects um moon check tarantino again for example but also tons of other people but i feel like this film uses every song is has a purpose every song has a meaning every song plays into the scene it it, there's callbacks to songs they're all either they're all either moving the narrative forward or giving you some exposition through the songs. They're playing to the beat. There's um, the sequence where they're all there's a shootout and all the music's to the, yep. the the song. I just think it's amazing. But it's so good. It's so good. The music is amazing. And like the two high points, music for me. One like just a song that like people don't know as much as Egyptian reggae, which Egyptian is just reggae, yeah. such a great song. But two, the one that, and again, Weekly Planet, going to just walk for five But I should stop referencing them because I'm sending people to listen to them rather to us, but it's fine. It's our podcast, Ian. Yeah, don't listen to them. Listen to me. But like the the one of the guys on it, Nick Mason, who's hilarious, but he, he was talking about like the use of songs that you wouldn't think of them being used in that way. Mm. And the best example of that, I think, is like Barry White, Never Gonna Give Up, oh, which yeah. is like, I yeah. love that song, but the way he walks in and he's taking the headphone out and like he whispers it to him mm-hmm. and the tension building from there, you know, like, no, that's a different one, but the build up from there as he's walking in is brilliant. Like it's so, so good. And then, you know, him looking at him being like, I'm never going to give it up. I'm never going to stop. I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. But that's the, again, that's the thing. All, all, everything you need to know about the scene, what's happening is in those lyrics. You know, I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop till I've got my, my, and 
that's rather revenge because yeah, yeah but you know there's things like the song um know how by young mc is mm-hmm. an amazing track obviously the the bell bottoms you know the, which is the opening song to the opening sequence whenever i hear that when i'm driving i immediately just go into baby driving mode and which is i'm driving safe by the way everyone it's fine but um um but <laughs> the, the i think all those films have great soundtracks, but I think Baby Driver is the one that utilizes it the most and has such an eclectic mix. I mean, you've got Lionel Richie on there as well, and yeah, you know, uh, Egyptian Reggae is also great. There's the Beach Boys is on there, although yeah. it's yeah. instrumental. But so you know, is, um, is it Sweet? I think Sweet are on there as well. Sweet, sweet? yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's not Sweet. It's um, no, T Rex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, you've got Beck. You've got yeah, um, yeah. you've got uh, the Damned. You know, you've got yeah. everything in there. So it's, yeah. I think. Oh, I, I, like I say, I think it's definitely. It's, it, I, I say definitely. I've put, I, I have gone back and forth between that and Scott Pilgrim before in my favorite film. But I've every time I really watch Baby Driver, I just completely get lost in it. And it's a film yeah. I've recommended to so many people. And you know, sometimes you recommend films and people come back to you and they aren't as up on things as you are. I think Baby Driver is maybe don't have a hundred percent hit right rate on but i've definitely got a high hit rate on it it's yeah, one of those I, people come back to me and go oh my god that's amazing i don't know I why people that. wouldn't like it because it yeah. is so well put together it's well acted as well the performances are amazing and he gets this is something we haven't talked about i guess throughout all of this but it's a nice way to end talking about his films and maybe looking to the future but you know he has he gets great performances from everybody he works oh, with. yeah yeah like, even in like i'm sure at world's end as well like he just gets like amazing performances from the people he works with. And you can tell that they're having a good time. Yeah, it. absolutely. Like, yeah. All these people like John Hamm is like having an amazing time being this character. And it, it obviously they're great actors, but having a great director there is super important too. Mm. And he gets such a great film. Also, mm. I know it's controversial to say this because we're in a con like, but we got to be controversial. It gets listens. <laughs> I, it's also like a great film because it's not a film where Kevin Spacey gets away with crimes. It's a film where he gets brutally murdered and like, it's actually satisfying. It's like, I, yeah. Right, I, 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 I mean, in full hindsight, yeah, it does kind yeah, of, it is kind of cathartic, I guess, in a way. And, so you know, the, 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 the good news is, um, and I'll get your thoughts on it in a minute. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a Baby Driver 2 script has been developed. Is he um, involved with it? He, he, he's, he's written, I believe he's written mm-hmm. the script for it. Um, whether, and I think it's something he would like to do. Um, uh, as far as I'm aware, he's only finished the script. Where it goes right. from there, I don't know. Edgar Wright's got, he's one of those people that has a, a million projects on the go at once. So, whether mm-hmm. if and when we'll ever see it, it's fine. But, yeah, it's kind of triumphant in that way. My only, gri- my only small gripe with the film is John Bernfall's not in it nearly enough. And I love John Bernfall. Yeah, he's, he's great. A, he's a, but Jamie Foxx is great in it as well. So mm-hmm. it's got a great cast, great music, great action, great, just great. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. I remember, I, and this is controversial before we end, I, the first thing I ever saw was on a plane, right? So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was on the back of a TV. And I remember, and I think I was sitting on the edge of my plane seat, just pressed up against the screen watching it so I could take as much in as I can. Yeah. And then I went and immediately found a bigger screen too so I could watch it again because yeah. I was just so amazed. Um, it's so good. It's yeah. so good, and I like. I think that's the thing. We're just gonna we're gonna sound like broken records because we're just gonna be like, it's so good, it's so good. But it's, it is, it is. You can't say enough. It's just so th- so good. It's the film that I'm like excited to see more of his catalog because, like, 
you know, the film that is always going to like irk me, I guess, and we talked about it in the Marvel one, is that he didn't get to complete his Ant Man because this film shows, I mm. think, what he can do when he has like his free reign to do an action film. You get something amazing like this instead yeah. of like an okay film with Ant Man. Like it's okay. Like the best bits are the bits he does, mm. and like. That film's always going to be a bit of a bitter one for me because I really, really love Ant-Man, the comic book as well. Yeah. And like, you know, I feel like he would have done something really special with that. Mm. Um, but he he clearly has a lot of potential as like, as we said at the beginning, we've got a nice full circle here. It's like, oh, it's almost like we, we're, yeah. prof- it's almost like we're professionals, but we're not. It's, all, it's almost <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's almost like that. But then we're not. Which one gives it away more? I think me. I think I'm more of the obvious not professional podcaster <laughs> a, i think it's a cool choice um... <laughs> but he he has like you know this potential to become like a iconic like director in the vein of quentin tarantino and others like that absolutely who have that like unique style and you know to hear that he's going to be doing because genuinely until you sent me because again behind the behind the curtain dear listeners um we have like depending on who host the podcast you will have a different sort of like plan yeah my podcast but i think there's a reason why i don't do them as much because there is no plan with mine and they go everywhere but like that's why i'm not the (laughs) professional one but with with chris's here he gives us like a breakdown of how you'd like to talk about it which is nice but i didn't realize until you sent me that he's doing running man which i'm like that's awesome like particularly after baby driver because that's awesome because there's a massive stephen king fan i know he wrote it under richard bachman as a massive stephen king fan i love that book it's a great story the Mm -hmm. film the film the honest watching it's it's terribly bad it's terribly bad so bad it's enjoyable to a degree no, it's, I just can't because the book it just doesn't do the book justice for me. Yeah, I'm sure um, the book's like way. I, I mean, I could get into a list of Stephen King adaptations that are worse than Running Man. Don't get me yeah, wrong, so but cool. the fact that when you go, oh, they're making a Running Man, Edgar Rice attached. It's one of those oh. things like, oh, I'm in. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I am. Yeah, yeah. Me- I am mostly com- really confident this is going to be amazing. Yeah, so yeah. I'm wait. really looking forward to that too. But yeah. it's, it's in the same vein. The other director, who's by probably my number one director, who I love at the moment, is Villeneuve. And when I heard, yeah, yeah, doing, when I heard June. he was doing June, I yeah. was like, or oh, June, yeah. I should say, I was like, that is amazing. When I yeah. heard Edgar Wright was doing this, I was like, that is amazing. I'm totally into that. Yeah, exactly. That, like I say, it's that it, we're getting to that point now where we go, Edgar Wright's making film. Sure, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, so speaking of which, we'll move on to uh, the last two things we're going to talk about quickly before mm-hmm. we wrap up. So there's two films coming out. One's coming out uh, on Friday, which is the Sparks Brothers documentary. Now, mm-hmm. um, you hadn't heard of Sparks until no, before this, uh, had you? until about uh, just over an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. It's clear, and Sparks were a band formed by two brothers, um, Ron and Russell Mill, who um, were basically a, a pop rock duo. Um, and, I, and full disclosure, I didn't know anything about Sparks until I heard that Edgar Wright was making a documentary about them, and I thought, well, if Edgar Wright's making a documentary... Look at you thing. making me feel bad. Look yeah. at you being... Well, I have since listened to Sparks, and Sparks are definitely a band that defy genre is all i'll say it's mm. they have 
a few quite a few albums and i don't think any two are alike so they're very there's very much something for everyone but i think the premise of this documentary is sparks of the band that your favorite band they're your favorite band's favorite band i think is the tagline mm-hmm. so all the band all the bands we know and we love they all love sparks so um for I'm example yeah i mean you, i'm just looking down the list of people that are in this documentary so you've got weird al yankovic you've got beck flea jonathan ross Patton oswald mike myers neil gaiman's in it uh sam peg uh is in it yeah uh bjork's in it uh who else is in it uh nick frost and adam buxton is in it you know mm. these are all the people that basically said that sparks are you know one of the most influential bands that you've never heard of i think yeah is, is, the, is the way it put it um mm-hmm. and it's something I, i'm definitely interested to see because i'm a big fan of music and i know you are too yeah. um but I'm particularly interested, uh, always interested in musicians, but more about how the dynamic of a duo, because obviously mm. there's like two of them. So you've got like, and some of my favorite bands of artists of all time have all been duos. So you've got obviously Simon and Garfunkel, White Stripes, for example. Uh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. And, but the, I think it's interesting to see about duo because it's just the two of them. Whereas if a band, they've obviously um, got more than people and they have a, they can have a bit more dynamic and they can all mm. talk amongst each other. If it's just the two of you, I feel like, and a lot of the bad, my favorite, those artists I just mentioned have all kind of disbanded. So I wonder mm. if there's something there about that, but Sparks have managed to keep going. So I'm really interested to see what drives them and what they're about. Yeah, so it's something I'm definitely interested to see. About. I think you mentioned before the podcast, because one of my favorite like groups of all time is Daft Punk. Like they are oh, like, yeah. number one. So I, in fact, the first album I ever bought was Discovery. And uh, along with two, two, two for ten pound at HMV in Lincoln, and it was um, not that I'm from Lincoln, but it was it was two for ten pound there, and it was uh, not that there's anything wrong with Lincoln, but the deal was only in Lincoln, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I happened to be there, but it was Discovery and the Ramones, their first album. They were the first uh, two things I bought, and um, yeah, sorry, Jesus. Uh, yeah, great. And Daft Punk with them, like obviously it's a duo who have recently broken up. So it's very interesting to see a documentary about a duo who have been quite long, have longevity, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because they've been mm-hmm. going, I think, since the 70s. So nice. uh, I mean, I need to listen to them. That's what I've learned from this conversation. Uh, like, 1969, 1969. So, you know, it's been a long time they've been yeah. together. Um, I didn't really listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I say, there's... if we've got a very eclectic range so i definitely there's something for everyone and i've only recently visited them um i know they're on a couple of the soundtracks so i've probably heard their songs before mm-hmm. when listening to Edgar Wright soundtracks but i definitely definitely are documentary um worth seeing i think and yeah, awesome. uh, yeah and then finally this this halloween fittingly oh, can't um, wait for this last night in soho it's been yeah, i mean it was meant to be was it meant to be last year was that it? Possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. What, what, what is time anymore? Um, yeah, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a, it's, it's been a long time coming. Last night in Soho, which yeah. is Edgar's first dip into, I guess, of not maybe not full blown horror, but definitely a, more into the horror elements with his mm-hmm. psychological horror set. Mm-hmm. I don't really. Know, there's not much to know about it apart from it's set in the sixties, but it, there's a time travel element, and you know, yeah. 
it looks really um, interesting and unique and what i like about it as well is like again as you say it's a dip into the horror but there seems to be an element of it that's very unique you know and and, and he brings something new to the table with it which i'm excited to see yeah and obviously he's done sort of horror things with sean and stuff mm-hmm. but it was obviously very balanced with the comedy side but i think it'd be nice to see him fully lean into yeah just straight up. Yeah, yeah exactly because and you know you know it's going to be good i just yes. want to see something and he's talking i think he's in he's just looking here he's talking about influences like don't look now and ron Pulaski's repulsion i was like well those are pretty good starting points also very know? like culty like a cult classic sort of and, like horror like and, which is yeah. great if, if there's someone who knows where to draw inspiration from having because mm-hmm. the man watches hundreds of films a day by the, yeah. by the looks of things he's definitely he definitely knows where to get the best uh inspiration from so yeah 100 um, I just wish uh, I was friends with him. If there's one uh, way I would summarize my like feelings towards like right, I wish I was his mate because I would yeah. I would love to talk to him so much. Although I think I would annoy him because I would never leave him alone. I would, I mean, I would be scared to even talk films with him because I would just feel I would just feel so inferior to his knowledge. But then I think he'd be nice about it. He'd, think he'd, be nice. <laughs> he'd be so nice about it. He's just yeah. God, do you know what? Do you know we're, what? Do you know it's what? hard here now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go on the. Yeah, I was going to say we we better not go too much longer, otherwise we're going to go like too fanboy. But what yeah. I'm hoping, right? Because we're doing well. We're doing well as a podcast. Apparently, we're getting lots of listens, which is great. You know. Yeah. I I'm going to tag him in my post for it. All right. And, and he was on the Weekly Planet, who are just t- two great Aussie comedians. <laughs> They're great. Totally recommend it. Maybe. Maybe we could get him on and we could actually fanboy with him. Like that would actually be the dream for me. I would I would love it. So I'm gonna message him our podcast and he'll probably be like, Who is this? <laughs> so he's he's great. You know, he goes on podcast with the weekly planet, you know, he jumps on those. I think we should invite him onto this. I will send him it. I and he'll be like but I'll be like, I love you so much, and please come onto this podcast. I'm not a stalker. Don't don't be worried. <laughs> if, if everyone can remember, this is the moment that the restraining order took place, and <laughs> I, this is going to sound so weird. But Simone, my partner, is always like, I swear I saw him in Ealing, and like she was like, he doesn't live in Ealing. He lives in like Soho. I was like, you sure? And she was like, you can't go knocking on a person's door to be like, does Edgar Wright live here? You can't do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, she, she, she's right. You can't do that. <laughs> no, it's like, what if I got like a letter and just wrote his name on it? <laughs> no, I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, it, it, uh, I thought I saw him briefly and I was like, but Simone, Simone actually has seen him in, um, I think in Soho actually or in Camden, which I, she was walking past. Yeah. He was I, in her I, car. And um, he was. She almost was like, "Oh my god!" Massive <laughs> <laughs> fanboys of him. But uh, maybe he shouldn't listen to this if we want him to come on. So I'm going to stop talking. You're great. You're real good. <laughs> great. So before we go to the panel section, um, <laughs> I think that concludes our uh, well, very fun, I must say, conversation on yeah, uh, Edgar Wright. Uh, thanks very much for coming, Ian. It's been really great chatting it's to you. It's always about. a pleasure, honestly. It's always a pleasure being on these podcasts with yourself, Chris. It's like oh, I them the most with yourself, and they've, they're always great. You are too kind. I will send you that money ASAP. <laughs> um, but that has been it for this week's episode of the UK Film Review Podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and mm-hmm. uh, we will see you again next week.
Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.